We're so glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message from Bethel Worship Center. Uh, we pray that it blesses you wherever you are in your faith journey. Uh, we do want to let you know that we are open. Our campus is open. Uh, we invite you to go to bwccamden.com. Uh, you can find out everything that we're offering right now at this time and in this season. So make sure to, to, to go there and find the ways that you can stay up to date with everything happening at Bethel Worship Center. But again, uh, wherever you are in your faith journey, whether you are um, exploring more about faith, learning who Jesus is, learning about God, uh, you're new in your walk with Jesus Christ, or you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, we pray that today's message blesses you, it encourages you, it equips you. So God bless you. Thank you again for taking part. Last week we began this series, Values looking at who we are at our core. And I said that, you know, these things that we're talking about have really been a part. I mean, this has been who we are for years as a church. And we're just kind of putting some, some statements behind them. And we said that really these statements and these things are also what we see in the early church. Uh, you know, if you were here on the, the part three, the last part of the Ready, Set series, we, we talked about how we saw those happening in Acts 42 through 47. We said that, you know, we, we're, we're talking about over these several weeks how we want to be a church that worships with wonder, that serves with selflessness, that gives with joy, that shares our hope with humility. Last week, we talked about the, the aspect that we want to be a church. We want to be a body of people that love with no conditions, that loves like Jesus loved and believe that as we love like Christ loves, then the love of God can bring any and all transformation that's needed in our life and in anybody else's life through that love. Amen? Today we're going to look at the aspect that, um, that we want to be a church that grows together with hunger. That grows together with hunger. This is something that we see in Scripture. This is something that, that we have been even told to do. As followers of Christ, we have been told to grow in our faith, but it's not just something that's meant to be all on our own. We talked about, again, you go back to that last part of the Ready, Set series. Uh, we talked about how the scripture shows us community is very important in our life. We need community. We need each other. And so we're, we're called and encouraged to grow together and to have a passion to want to grow and that, that hunger in our life to do that. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 28 real quick. These are some of Jesus's last words to his disciples, the ones that the 12 that followed him, that walked with him and while he was on this earth. And, um, and, uh, and this is, this is what he said to them. I want us to catch what he told them. You may have heard it before, but I want us again, just to catch this today. Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 18. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And through his authority, he is now commissioning his disciples. All right. And so listen what he tells them. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So did you catch what he's telling them to do and what he's wanting to see continue to take place 
through them. Let's go back and just jump back to verse 18 for me again. Let's just look at it real quick again. Jesus came to us. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So he's got authority. And through that authority, he's, he's commissioning them and he's giving them authority. What's he giving them authority to do? Therefore, go and make what? What's that blue word? Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then verse 20 says, teach these new what? To obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So he's given a call through his authority. He's commissioned his disciples with a new authority to do this very thing, to go and continue to make the disciples just in the same way that Jesus has made them disciples. And then to commission those disciples they make to continue making disciples. In a book called uh, The Master Plan of Evangelism, there's a guy by the name of uh, Robert Coleman. Uh, and he writes this about the Great Commission. And my clicker's not working, guys, so you're going to have to do it for me. There it is. So the Great Commission is not merely to go to the ends of the earth preaching the gospel, nor to baptize a lot of converts, nor to teach them the precepts of Christ, but to make disciples. To build men like themselves who were so constrained by the commission of Christ that they not only followed Jesus themselves, and here's the key, they led others to follow him too. So he's just breaking down what that great commission is and what, what, it, what it means for us to do and what it was meant for the disciples to do, to make people to be disciples like they were, but then to lead others to be disciples like them as well. The great commission was given to every believer. It was not something that Jesus spoke and said, this is just for a chosen few. This is a commission. This is a call that is meant for every person who claims to be and calls themselves a follower of Christ. It is to be a disciple and to make disciples. When we look through the New Testament and we look at how the early church was forming and what was happening, we see when, you know, in several of Paul and Peter's letters. In Titus chapter 2, for instance, he, he's encouraging that the older women train up the younger women. Right, to teach them, to mentor them. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he's doing the same thing through Timothy. He's saying, train up men who will train up other men. Right? In Ephesians chapter 6, he's telling fathers to disciple his, their children, to train their children. We see the call in Matthew chapter 28. In Hebrews chapter 3, we see that the author of Hebrews is encouraging us to, 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 to encourage each other, to build each other up, right? Then we, we see in various places throughout Paul and Peter's letters that he is telling them, you've been given a gift Use the gift that you've been given to edify, to build up, and to help each other grow in the faith with Jesus Christ. The great commission to make disciples applies to us all if we are a follower of Christ. Now, the phrase, when Jesus comes to the phrase, therefore go, right? Basically, what, what he's saying, it is a, literally, we can look at that and we can say that he is saying, as you go, as you do life. Make disciples. As you go, as you do life, make disciples. In every aspect of your life, any, the relationships that you have in life, every opportunity that you have in life, make disciples. 
Take advantage of that opportunity and just speak into someone what God has been speaking to you. So that's what Jesus is telling them. Don't make it difficult. Do exactly what I've been doing with you. Because you think about Jesus and you read through the Gospels and you see what Jesus did with these guys. He would just take any moment he could to stop and make a lesson out of what just happened, right? I've made the comment before when I'm speaking, my kids hate it when I do that. I will be watching a show and I'll pause the TV and I'll say, okay, let's learn something from this. And I'm like, oh my word, are you serious? You know, they hate it. But, but, but we're commissioned in our life as we go, as we do life, make disciples. That's what Jesus is calling us to. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a pupil. There's someone that's doing everything they can to gain knowledge through what is being spoken and what is being taught. Right? In, in the New Testament, this is, you know, this is something we, we need to understand. In the New Testament, the early believers, it was a long time before they were ever really called Christians. The early church, the believers in the early church were simply called disciples. They were called a part of the way. They were called followers of Christ. It wasn't until Acts uh, chapter 11, verse 26, that, um, that it says that it was in Antioch that they became known as Christians. And the reason they were being called Christians is because these people were looking at them and it was kind of an insult. It was a derogatory term. They were bullying them, if you will. And they were saying, oh, the little Christ ones. Here's the little Christ ones, the little ones that think they're Christians. You know, they're like Christ, right? That's where that came up. So the whole time, really, it was meant to be, we're, we're disciples. We are Christians because we are like Christ, but we're disciples. That's what we're called to be. As followers of Christ, the, the word actually comes from a Hebrew word called Talmud, right? It's, it's Talmud. And basically what a, a Talmud was, was it, they were a student. They were a person who wanted to be a student of a rabbi. They wanted to learn what in the Jewish culture, what that rabbi knew, because rabbis were held to a high esteem. And, and they were the teachers, they were the scholars that knew everything about. So this Old Testament that you have in your Bible, if you have a Bible, the Old Testament of it, the scholars knew that thing back and forth, the rabbis, they knew that thing back and forth. So, so, so a Talmud would, would find a rabbi and they would sit at the rabbi's feet. Okay. And as they sit at the rabbi's feet, what they wanted to do is they wanted to learn from that rabbi and the rabbi would ask them questions and they would examine the Talmud. And if the Talmud was considered you know, worthy enough, then the rabbi would invite them to follow him and to be a part of his life and to learn from them. And Ray Vanderlyn, he made this statement about these Talmuds, these disciples. He said, a a disciple did not merely want to know what his master knew, but he wanted to do what his master did. So as, as, a, as, a, as a Talmud, a disciple would follow his rabbi, he didn't just listen, he didn't just watch, he began to emulate and, and he began to, to do what his master did. And one of the highest compliments that, um, that a Talmud could have been paid was one that said, the dust of your rabbi is all over you. Basically what that meant was that you're following so close to your rabbi that anything that's getting on your rabbi, it's getting on you. And that was a compliment to these guys. And that should be exactly what we long to be as a disciple. And see, Jesus came along and he changed the whole pattern of what they were doing. You know, because it, it, you had to, it was, a, it was a privilege 
in the culture to be accepted to become a, a Talmud, a disciple of a rabbi. Now Jesus has just given these guys authority. This, this, again, this is what's making all these other guys so mad. <laughs> they had to earn their authority. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the authority. In my name, I have made you disciples. Go make other disciples. Teaching them what I have taught you. But we have to, you know, we're teaching them to be like Christ, not ourselves, Right? But see, a disciple of Jesus isn't someone that simply wants to know what Jesus knew. We're someone that wants to live our life the best that we possibly can as an imperfect human being. To live like Jesus lived. To walk like Jesus walked. Think about this. You know, anything that you do, or most of what you do in life, if you're good at something, oftentimes you want to be better at that. And so you'll get someone in your life to try to help you to be better at that. In the workplace, we'll call it mentors. We'll have a mentor that speaks in our life and, and trains us and helps us. In the athletic world, in sports, we call them coaches. We call them trainers. And e- even if you're on a team and you have a coach, you may have someone that works with you individually. Why do you do that? Because you want to get better. You want to grow. You're becoming a what? A disciple of the game or the career or the calling or whatever you're embarking on. A disciple of Christ should be no different and should actually, in in the sense of us doing it, and it should actually have greater importance in our life. If we call ourselves followers of Christ and we're following Jesus. So we should have the desire to be a disciple, but not just to be a disciple, but to make disciples. So, I mean, when we see in the book of Acts what's happening with these guys and when they're making disciples, it's they're making disciples. It starts with the the conversion, as we call it, when someone accepts Christ in their life and a change takes place. It starts then, but that's not just the only aspect of making a disciple. It is a continued process of walking with someone. And being with them and helping them grow. See, God's plan to reach the world, it's not big ministries and crazy talented pastors on a stage. I'm thankful to be here, but I, it, that God's method is to use the body to grow. And to make disciples everywhere they go. See, what we often think is, well, the church, the building, what we see, that's where we go to get discipled. But what we forget is what's, it's, it's not the church, the building. The church is what's inside the building. And not what's inside the building, but who's inside the building. It's the body. The body of believers makes up the church. And we're the ones that are called to make the disciples. And I just want to tackle a couple of quick things that people will say in regards to this and say, well, I can't do that. You think that I'm not, you'll think you're not good enough. You don't know enough to disciple anyone. But I want us to reframe our thinking and just think about how easy it can be to make disciples. Okay. And, and to, and to make this a part of our life. Because like we said, you can disciple someone just simply as you do life. You, you think about this, you're, if you're married and you're a follower of Christ and you've got relationships at work or friendships and stuff and you begin to talk to another married person, another married couple, and they begin to bring up some things. It's an open door. This is an opportunity at this point 
for God to use you in a discipling form to just begin to speak into them what God has shown you about marriage, what you've learned through, through life and through his scripture and what, and, and, and even as an imperfect being, how just growing in your faith with God has helped you in your marriage and just offer some tidbits of, from what God has shown you. You know, maybe you see someone and and you're talking to them and they're talking about their struggle with finances and stuff like that. You can begin to speak to them as a believer. If, if God has worked in you and shown you principles from his word about how to handle finances and how to be a steward of money, you can just begin to share those things with someone in your life. If, if you're a parent and you're around other parents and they're talking about their frustrations with their child, you can just begin to speak. You know, you can relate to them probably. And then you can just share some things with them about what God's shown you and how you've began to work and and do. And then just let people hear you pray. You know, especially for new believers, we never know how important that can be for someone just to hear another believer pray. Because listening to that person pray, it could just encourage them in how they pray. See, we can make, exa- uh, make disciples simply by our example. Look at what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. He said, dear brothers and sisters, what's that word? Pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. So he's saying, watch me, see my example. Also watch the others who've been watching my example. Follow our example. And then he says it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. What does he say? And you should imitate me just as I what? Imitate Christ. So he's encouraging them, follow my example. Because as you set the example, as you imitate how you live then those following, those watching will begin to imitate as well. They'll begin to see what you're doing and they'll begin to follow your example as a believer. And when they follow your example as a believer, guess what you're doing? You're making disciples. See, sometimes I think we make it so complicated because we we go back to the whole uh, rabbi aspect and we think somebody's got to sit with us and we got to open the book and we got to teach them all this stuff. And there can be an aspect of that. There's no doubt. But sometimes it can just be our example. Another, t- another way is just our words. What are we saying to people? You know, in, in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 28, God encouraged Moses this. He said, instead, he said, do what to Joshua? Commission Joshua. And then he says, what? Encourage and strengthen him. For he will lead the people across the Jordan. He will give them all the land you now see before you as their possession. In other words, what God is telling Moses, look, he needs to hear from you what he's able to do. I didn't even mean that to rhyme, but it did. (laughs) He needs to hear from you what he is enabled to do. Disciple, encourage, strengthen. What are the words that you're speaking into people's life around you? Those that you're in relationship with, what are you saying to them? What are you speaking to them and how you can disciple them? I'm going to give you three practical ways that we can apply this whole concept in our life today, okay? Now, I think it's important that we do each of these three things in our life. If you have to, start with one and grow from there. And even under, one, under each one, I'm going to give you several ways to think about. 
And in those ways, just choose one if you have to, okay? But I'm just, I just want to, I feel like I want to try to help us look at this and how we practically can apply this in our life today if we're not already, okay? One of those simple ways to, to disciple and to make disciples is in our home. It is one of the first and most important ways to do this in our home with our family. Now, there's many people in here. You have a family right now. You have them living with you. Some of you, you are empty nesters now at this point. Some of you, you're not. You may be single or you may whatever. But we may can apply this in, in, in different ways for our life. But parents, I just want to say to you, your role is to make disciples of your children. In fact, you are discipling them in some way. You are teaching them something. But what are we teaching? You know, this isn't solely, again, the church's job. Although we do this. We've got people in kids and children's ministry right now in the gym and the education. They're they're over there. They're, They're being trained. They're being taught. But what our role and what we're doing is we're hopefully partnering with what you're doing all the six other days of the week. And then the rest of today. Okay. And even more so, hey, get involved in those areas and take time to equip those others that come in and partner with other parents to train and equip. But we want to we want to help. And I want to say this, too. If you if you're a parent that thinks, well, man, I haven't really been doing a great job of discipling the way Jesus would want me to disciple. I, I want it's never too late to begin to try. But as you do, be honest with your children. Be honest with your family. Be honest with your kids. We should always be honest. And just talk about, you know, look, this, you know, maybe I I haven't been the best at things and I want to begin to change. So let's do this together. It might be tough. It might be a new pattern of our life, but let's try this together. And let's see how Jesus grows us. But husbands, you and your wife should be growing together in your faith if you're married. And you should be doing this with your children as well. So whatever you can do, you know, in the, Paul wrote this word in, in, to, in, to the church of Rome. He said, don't be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because what we have to understand is if we don't disciple them based on God's word and let them hear that and then eventually make a choice on their own, because we're not brainwashing anyone to make their own choice, but we're showing them the truth of God's word. And praying that that truth won't easily leave them. But if we don't do it, they're getting it from somewhere. So what do we want them to emulate? What do we want them to imitate? I saw it growing up in my home. I mean, I heard my parents praying. Church was an incredible importance in our family's life and relationships within the church. And it was all very important, putting God first in our life. Learning to give was important. You know, I learned that. I want to do that for my family. I am not perfect. One of the ways I emulate and imitate and disciple my kids is constantly admitting I'm not perfect. And having to apologize in situations. They will say that I never admit I'm wrong, but they're wrong. You see that? I I do admit it. They're just bad at listening. Um... But I want, I want my kids to see it. I want, I want them to hear it. I want them to hear us pray. 
I want them to see us. I want them to, to see how Jenny and I treat one another. To know why we make certain decisions that we make. Right? So let it start in your home. And we have, re, I will say this several times. We've got resources online. You can go, if you go to the children's page of our website, the teens page of our website, you'll see resources that you can glean from and, and you, can, you can see ideas that you can utilize in your home. And uh, if you're on our email list, I will send out all this stuff through email this week as well. But, um, but, uh, but I just encourage you to go do that. Another way outside of your home, just with someone. One person, two people, just begin to speak into their life. Meet someone for breakfast. Meet someone for lunch during the week. And just pour into them. Ask them questions. What's going on in your life? Let me tell you what God's doing in mine. You know, we, we've got tools, again, on our website. If you go to our website and go to the menu bar and see resources, and then you'll see free resources. Free is good, right? <laughs> there are things on there. One is called Small Circle. It's a link that it's something that you can do with one other person and go through together. It gives you a guide for you as the disciple maker and the other person as a disciple. You can use your phone, for those of you who like your phones, to do this. Or you can print it out. There's another thing called uh, gospel disciple life, gospel journey life. I can't remember exact words, but it's on there. You'll see it. You and two other people can get together once a week and do things through the week to grow together just reading the gospels. Just tools to help you, ideas to take and use. But do it with someone. Find someone to disciple and make and grow together. And then lastly, simply within the body. Within the body, within the church. Now, again, we said the other week, community is so important. There was an article on Inc.com not too long ago that basically just um, verified what the scripture has been saying for thousands of years. It was talking about a 75-year study that they did at Harvard. It was called the Grant and Gluick Study, two different studies. The Grant Study followed um, 456 poor men who grew up in Boston from 1939 to 2014. The other study followed 268 male graduates from Harvard's class of 1939 to 1944. So what it did was it watched their well-being. And here's what a guy by the name of Robert Waldinger, who's the director of the adult development, said this something that surpasses everything in terms of importance. The clearest message that we get from the 75-year study is that good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. What did God say wasn't good? That man was alone. Only thing, all the way back at the beginning, God exemplified this. So thank you, Harvard, for just showing us what God did. Community is important. They go on, they say that the study demonstrates that having someone to relay on helps your nervous system relax, helps your brain stay healthier for longer, reduces both emotional as well as physical pain. And it's the quality of the relationships. How much vulnerability and depth exists within them? Because having those things can relax and be seen in who you truly are and help you in your life. 
That's why relationships are important. That's why being a part of relationships within the body are important. And as we go forward, I'm just going to encourage you to find a way to have group. We're, we're doing the best we can to offer group aspects, but I encourage you. And you can do this simply by starting them on your own. I sat down this past week with KJ and Debbie Lewis, who have been a part of this church since 2003 and have a history of uh, a small group discipleship throughout their life. And I just wanted them to share their heart. This is about a three minute video. So if you'll watch this with me real quick and we'll wrap up. KJ, I'll start with you. Tell us how simple it is to do a small group. It is more simple than a lot of people realize. But as soon as you mention leading, people tense up because a lot of people say, I'm not a leader. And that's true. Everybody's not a leader. But you don't have to be a leader to be a leader or a facilitator, better, of a small group. You have friends. You get together periodically, I'm sure, and you have a meal, and you talk and enjoy each other's company. Well, you have you have got two parts of the Acts 242. That's the fellowship and the breaking of bread. Halfway there. So you're halfway there, and it's not hard. And then, if you want to start a actual small group, you talk with some people that are your friends and say... What do you think about we get together once and we'll have a Bible study? The only other things they have to have, basically, is you have your small group, you have fellowship, and you have prayer. And you have the reading of God's Word, and you get together and you have a meal. And all of these things, the group we have, and it's been going on for years, it's fun. It's enjoyable. And we share people's wisdom and what they've gleaned. And people also share concerns. Uh, There is a promise and an expectation of absolute confidentiality in what goes on. And our group tends to meet every two weeks. But the nice thing about it, the group can decide, what do you want to study? But it's not hard to get that together, especially when you make it simple and something people can say, oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, that's awesome. And Ms. Debbie, why, why, what do you think are most objections or what keeps people from being a part of a small group all the time that you've seen in years past? Most of the time people will tell you they don't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you make time for the things that are important for you. Right. Your group can determine how often you meet, what days of the week you meet, how often, how long. So time is really not an objection. Child care can be an objection. Who's going to keep my kids? What am I going to do with my kids? Um, we had a, in our group for a while, we had folks that had grandkids, and they would bring their children with them, and then we would put them in a room with a video, and they would sit there. Or we could find a teenager to babysit. Or I don't know much about the Bible. Well, you don't really need to know a whole lot about the Bible because you're studying it yeah, to learn more. You're, so you're, you're learning more. So there's a lot of ways to do your curriculum, if you will. Um, the website has some awesome resources, um, sermon notes, those sorts of things. So there really isn't an objection to we don't know what to study because you can pick a book of the Bible, you could pick a DVD series and just watch the video and then discuss it. Um, very simple, very easy. Well, that's awesome. Well, just last question, just real quick. What has small groups meant to you guys 
mm. in your life. How important have they been for you guys? Oh my gosh. Our group's been together for 12 years. So they're our family. Um, we, we are such a close, tight-knit group um, that we're there for each other, support each other through good times and bad times, sicknesses. We've had deaths in our group, so we've just been there for each other. It's just relationships, yeah. tight relationships, and lasting relationships that we'll have forever. So there are, yeah, you can give it up for them. They're very important. And again, like I said, I know that we have thought before and, and it's been that concept. Let's go to church and get discipled. And we're going to offer those things again, starting September 19th for about six weeks on Sunday nights. We're going to have a, a study that's going to be going on. Uh, we're going to have our young guys and our boys, uh, something for elementary boys, something for elementary is going on those Sunday nights. Youth will still be going on those Sunday nights. Um, we're doing our best to also be able to provide nursery. So if childcare is your, is your hindrance, you've got childcare September 19th for six weeks through October 24th for something we're going to offer. But we also want to encourage you, like they said, you've got friends. Let's make those moments purposeful. And uh, KJ and Debbie are going to, on September the 8th, uh, at 6.30 p.m. here at the church. If you're interested in saying, I just want to find out more what, how I can start a group and just meet in my home or rotation of our homes and, and do this, and I want to learn more about it, I encourage you to go on our website go to the, uh, and find, you'll find a link. If you go to the homepage, go to the central hub, you'll find the link for small groups. And let us know you want to come that night for just real quick for an hour and, um, and learn more about how to host that. So, If I ask you, are you a Christian? You might say yes, because I'm not an atheist. I'm not another faith or anything like that. I'm a Christian. But if I ask you, are you a disciple? Sometimes that's a little bit different for us because Christian is easier to say than disciple. So are we a disciple? And I just want one more thing is encourage you, I'm going to be doing something, and this is just online through email and occasional text. If you want to be a part of something about learning more about what it means to be a disciple and making disciples and me sending you stuff uh, for a few weeks just to look at, to glean from and to learn from, you can text the word disciple to that number and you'll be added to the group. So you can get your phones out right now and do that. And, and I will journey with you just through email and just through occasional text message to encourage you. And if you ever have any more questions, obviously, you can contact us. But um, I just want to make that available. But I want to encourage you to understand how important it is to be a disciple and to make disciples. Amen? Real quick, let's pray. And then we're going to end today with two baptisms. Amen? Father, we are so grateful for this day. We're so grateful for the opportunity to learn from your word. And I know today's a little bit different in the aspect of how we're learning from you and learning from your word. And I pray today that, that we will be challenged to, if we do anything, just go out of this place and, and do one thing, one thing to begin to make ourselves more of a disciple and better at making disciples of you. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.